Blog Talk Radio. Walk out this morning and roll down the floor. You can't remember who to send. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Sunny days, but they never did. I've seen lonely times, but I find bread. But I always thought I'd see you again. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me today. This is your host, Jim Ventura. It's your first time tuning into the show. Uh, a little quick info about me. Um, I am my name again is Jim Ventura. I am a navigational consultant. Uh, my expertise is in uh, astrology and numerology, and various oracles like tarot and runes and animal cards and things of that nature. Uh, I have a home office in Phoenix. I've been doing private consultation work with people for many years now. I also published author. Do a monthly column called Snake Oil. Um, with up to about 1,500 subscribers now to the column and growing. Um, and uh, if you're interested in that and you're not already on the column list, email me at venturasage at yahoo.com. Add you to the free monthly uh, newsletter mailing list so you can read the columns and or go my books before they're published. Uh, once a month column, blind copied, and uh, email information never shared with anyone under any circumstances. Um, a lot of different things I do. Um, Different things, uh, you know what, best bet, go to my website, jimventura.com, for any information about uh, any of the work that I do. We're looking into a uh, personal session, whether uh, in the home office here or uh, by phone. So jimventura.com. Okay, there's my sales stuff. Uh, get that out of the way. Uh, again, welcome to the show. Very late in the month for me to get started. Normally, I do my live column read and subsequent discussion of that column at the beginning of the month. Uh, Month has been crazy with the Mercury retrograde in Gemini um, adding to the mix, um, lots of delays and things that came up. Um, we are out of that retrograde, by the way, so um, no more complaining about it. <laughs> I've heard a lot of complaints about it. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, we got uh, uh, just a lot was going on, so I'm finally getting to uh, this month's uh, live column read. Um, this particular show, I'm going to read uh, this month's column. I'm going to talk about it in more detail. I'm not going to take uh, phone calls uh, for this particular show. Um, I do that pretty much more or less on uh, when we do the astrology update shows and read uh, and list or call shows. So look for those. You should do one of those every month or two, and uh, you're welcome to call in during those particular shows for uh, a couple minute pre mini reading. Uh, when you see those scheduled. Uh, anyway, so um, I like to always kind of start by reading the column in case uh, you have not heard it already or read it already, we should say. You should probably have not heard it. Um, I want to read that column. I want to talk a bit about this. Um, this uh, column is a new column, meaning uh, it was written this year. So it was new, adding to uh, the list of, of columns that I have collected over the years. Um, to discuss with this particular column, I think it would certainly be of value to hear it again in case uh, you haven't heard it. So, again, I'm going to read the column. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit more detail. 
this particular snake oil is called Snap Out of It. I woke up one morning in late March feeling depressed. I still went through the usual motions of eating breakfast, checking emails, my bank balances, and a few other morning necessities. No matter what I did, I felt gloomy, mildly miserable, and just couldn't shake a sense of why bother. I wasn't even sure what I was depressed about. I wasn't sick. I hadn't recently been through anything specific that would be a reason for my unhappiness. Even though I had slept almost eight hours already, I decided to go back to bed. My cat ran to the bedroom excitedly when she saw her dad was heading back. Her enthusiasm gave me a little comfort as my sad self hit the pillows and went back to sleep for two more hours. I had a bit of a too-much-sleep headache when I woke up. Headed for the gym to do my usual workout, and by the time I got home, made lunch, and prepared for my three late-afternoon appointments, my depression was pretty much gone. Two of the three clients I saw that day admitted they were taking antidepressants. I was not surprised that they used pharmaceutical helpers. I go off and tell when someone is using antidepressants. They are subtle, but there are a number of behavioral clues that give it away. A lot of people use them. It's far from being a rarity. I used to wonder why so many people, not including people who are bipolar or with similar types of illnesses, try to push depression away with pharmaceutical solutions. But over the years, I found an answer to that question. Personally, I've never even considered using an antidepressant. Pharmaceutical cures in general are not my thing. I did smoke marijuana fairly often from the ages of 17 to about 25. This may have been my way of dealing with some depression when I was younger, although there were more prominent reasons why I smoked weed. I was an art major in college, worked at restaurants, and went to a lot of concerts in the 80s. Partying in general and getting stoned was pretty commonplace. I hung out with other stoners, and a big part of what bonded us together was the shared commonality. I really was never much of a fan of the influences of alcohol, so I rarely drank liquor. The shift in perspective from getting stoned was more appealing than being drunk. It didn't have the uncomfortable physical effects alcohol seemed to have on my body. Even in my stoner days, I still never smoked every day, just mostly in the evenings when the day was winding down. I enjoyed life when I wasn't stoned just as much. The popular theories about becoming lazy and nonproductive from marijuana never applied to me. It never stopped me from getting anything done and sometimes motivated me to do more. I've had some serious cleaning uh, the entire house sessions and organizing closets and files back in those days. I was still was usually productive when I was under the influence. It was just in a different state of mind while doing so. It never was a gateway to hard drugs. My use of pot decreased quite a bit when I got into my early 30s, especially when I got out of the restaurant business. It became more of a once-in-a-while celebrational, recreational celebrational thing at best. I know a number of people who still smoke weed regularly and, and are very, very productive people. Like many people are creative, this pattern can be seen in numerology and astrology charts. I had occasional bouts of depression throughout my life. Over the years, the amount of times I feel depressed has definitely decreased. At best, it's now every few months when I have a brief bout of depression. And it rarely lasts more than a few hours. I always spring out of it. The things that make me happy again are never medicinal solutions. 
It could be as simple as something cute my cat does, a funny text from a friend, a television show that makes me laugh, a song I haven't heard in years, or simply a good cup of coffee and a piece of cake. Hell, if I plan my next Vegas trip or any other trip, all aspects of my depression are long gone. It seems like the planning of a fun future event alone is a definitive cure. Even if I feel sad about something I feel is missing or hurts, I always realize that I'm blessed and lucky in so many ways. If I linger on depression for too long, in some respects, it almost feels like a performance on my part. My life is simply too good to allow depression to eat up my time. But there are legitimate reasons for people to go through long-term depressions. Sometimes people go through some really traumatic events. Things like losing a child, having a string of death of friends and family, going through a painful divorce, finding your mate has been cheating, getting fired from a secure job, finding out you or a family member has an illness, etc. can understandably really be grounds for depression. Difficult things happen in life from time to time. It is normal to occasionally get depressed. It is a natural human response to difficulty. The more severe the difficulty, the more likely and lengthy a depression can be. In extreme cases, getting a prescription for a pharmaceutical antidepressant may be temporarily beneficial. A number of doctors and psychiatrists believe antidepressants are useful and necessary, and they influence many people. In addition, even without a doctor's aid, it's easy to get various forms of these magic pills. The problem may occur with prescription drugs. The problems many people encounter with prescription drugs is getting off of them. Most pharmaceutical remedies are not cures. They are designed to mask symptoms and problems. They also have a number of negative side effects. A common side effect from some antidepressants is depression. I've actually seen this listed on bottles. When I was younger and had really bad allergies, I tried pharmaceutical aids to help with my allergies. Yet I found that the side effects from the allergy pills were worse than the allergies themselves. This always seemed to be the case for me every time I took any form of pharmaceutical remedy. It's easy to become dependent on relief aids, and it's equally difficult to get off of them. This is why I often suggest to clients to either not take them or wean off of them even if the process is difficult, and often it is. I've always looked at depression differently than the norm. In some respects, I see it as both natural and good for us to feel and experience depression. Being sad and melancholy can be good for us. It can be a contrast that makes the happy times even more notable. We're not meant to experience one mood, one way of perceiving things. Experiencing difficulty and sadness can help us to be more empathetic to other people when they are going through the same or similar experiences. When we're depressed, it's usually because we feel unfulfilled or something we want is missing in our lives. Sometimes we long for roads never taken. A huge component in depression is where I should be by now. We often compare ourselves to others or simply feel we're not living up to our potential. These types of thoughts, of course, will trigger depression. When the depression is triggered by painful events, we need to remember that what we're going through will, in most cases, inevitably pass. And if it is truly an unchangeable issue, we may simply need to accept this as part of life and change our point of view. Our resistance to what is causes all of our suffering. Often the fear of change itself is the problem. 
prompts from our higher self will often show us what we may need to do to find happiness, yet often we simply don't listen. The fear of the unknown or making a wrong decision can keep us holding on to the very things that limit us. We are not meant to suffer. It isn't good for the soul, no, ma no matter what any parent, religious influence, or anyone else might have told us to believe. Focusing on the hopelessness of a problem is not only not a solution, but the very thing that keeps us there. An antidepressant in the long run is never a solution to any problem. If depression is lingering too long, maybe it's time to both look and take some action to resolve what needs to be done for us to become happy again. Okay, so I wrote this column in uh, May of 2015, obviously talking about circumstances, situation uh, from a March morning. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I, I'm proud of this piece in that sense. Although, of course, as usual, um, every couple of months I write a column and, and people get upset with me. Um, no one ever says they're upset with me. They just ask to be removed from my mailing list. You know, I had, I had a couple people from this one ask to be removed. I can take a gander of where, where that might have been the case. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, you know, um, it, it's, it, you know, I, I, as I mentioned in the piece, you know, when, when people come into my home office, I, again, I can usually tell when someone is on antidepressants or on a lot of different types of pharmaceuticals in general. Um, and some people have asked me, how is it that I can tell? Well, you know, I mean, some of it's intuitive in terms of stuff that you sense. Um, but, you know, in, in all probability, it's more just because I've studied people so intensely in my life. Um, I, it's something I could read from even some uh, physiological clues. Um, uh, certainly with antidepressants, but certain other types of uh, pharmaceutical remedies, um, I notice people that are on a lot of those type of things often have very disjointed thoughts when they're speaking or communicating. Um, I think it, it, it does something to people somewhat neurologically as well, too. For the most part, none of this is the end of the world. Um, you know, I'm not being alarmist here by any means. But um, I think that we, we live in a culture that is very heavy-handed with... Um, uh, pharmaceutical aids and antidepressants and things in general. It's sold very heavily. Uh, you, know, you, you can see this when you, even just, uh, thankfully, I, like most human beings in this day and age, I have a DVR, so I don't really watch TV um, when it's on. I often tape things, and, and certainly with uh, commercial television. I mean, the amount of pharmaceutical ads and, and things are just absolutely staggering. I mean, it's endless. You know, and there are always ads of people you know, depressed, and then they're happy again once they're taking the antidepressants. And, you know, um, uh, I just want to fast forward to all of that. It just seems like hogwash to me in that respect. Because I'm not denying the validity of um, that an antidepressant could potentially work. But it's kind of a, a larger issue to look at here in terms of influence. Because, again, like I had said in this piece, you listen, we're going to have traumatic experiences um, from time to time that happen in life. Very few people are going to skate through life where you're not going to have at least one or two things that are semi to extremely horrible that are going to occur. Um, maybe loss of your parents, the loss of a pet, um, you know, break up in relationship, all the things that I listed, there's so many of them that we can go through at different points. So 
you know, in 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 response to a difficulty, um, you know, again, when people become depressed over it, often the the seeking out of a pharmaceutical remedy is is pretty natural. It's prescribed, or again, usually not very difficult to get. But like again, I mentioned in the piece, the problem is one getting off of them. And, and that's how most pharmaceuticals work. They, they don't necessarily fix something. It, you'd now become a permanent customer in that sense because you need that as a coping mechanism. And, again, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But the point that I really wanted to make here, and I'm going to bring up some things connected with numerology and astrology and a few other factors. But the point that I wanted to bring up here that I think is so significant is, again, depression is natural. We are supposed to be depressed sometimes. Um, it, it's not, you know, th- this attempting to not have that, uh, to me, is, is ultimately ludicrous. Um, now, if a depression is lingering abnormally long for weeks or months or, God forbid, years in that respect, um, th- there's, there's often real deeper problems that are going on here that have to be addressed. Again, they can be a dep- addressed in multiple other types of ways other than necessarily taking a, a pharmaceutical aid or an antidepressant as a remedy. We can get this meditation, this working with a psychologist, psychiatrist, is working with people like me, life coaches. Uh, there is, you know, finding something that brings you joy in a different way. Um, you know, there are, there are multiple, there's nature, cheapest, easiest fix of them all, by the way. Um, there's multiple things, you know, we, we have to recognize, again, at some levels, that we, we're going to go through some, some tough stuff from time to time. But the thing is, you know, it's kind of being humorous when, when I call this piece snap out of it, because I would never suggest in extreme cases something like that is going to be simple. But it's doable, no matter what. I mean, seriously, there are people, I, I've seen a video on the Internet of a man that has no arms and no legs. And there's a million things that he does, and it's fascinating to see how incredibly active this individual is. You know, I don't know what everybody's gone through and how bad it may be, but if someone can recover from that and be a happy and fulfilled person, come on. You know, there's a certain point where we, we, we've got to kind of, again, uh, come to that realization we've got to move forward in our life no matter what. You know, extreme cases, people will commit suicide, you know, and do other extreme measures in response to difficult events. But that's not even the area that I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is for most people that I find on antidepressants, the reason they're on antidepressants is not because of necessarily an extreme event. It's because they're in circumstances and situations where they're unhappy and they're unfulfilled. Um, You know, they couldn't wait to get married, and then they end up in a loveless, miserable marriage, or they wanted to become, uh, you know, uh, they wanted to be a, in sports and they ended up settling for a regular job because they were afraid of going after their dreams or they realized they didn't have the capacity to do that. There's a number of different potentials behind all of these things that come to surface. Um, so to me, that's the whole thing is you've got to look at where the depression is coming from. Um, and that's why it's normal for people to be depressed. Not every one of us is completely fulfilled at every level. We uh, we often settle for circumstances and situations that are uh, beneath what we could potentially have. Um, we often are so idealistic at some level that, you know, our ideals don't necessarily match reality. All of these things, by the way, can, again, trigger depression. 
like I mentioned also in the piece when I wanted to comment on the numerology, astrology implications, um, listen, it's very common for people with master numbers in the numerology chart, 11s, 22s, 33s, 44s, things like that, if you get into numerology. Uh, very common with people with those in their charts, those types of numbers, um, or, uh, or at different segments in their, in their life or in their, in their numerology chart. Really get into this type of thing. It's amazing. Very common for people with these numbers to be somewhat um, prone to occasional depression. Uh, often the tests of life themselves can be extreme at different points. Um, so not uncommon. But, you know, here's an interesting fact. Especially people born like on the 11th, the 29th, who have the 11 number strong in the chart. You know, whenever I, I talk to people and I work through a numerology chart with them, which, you know, a little plug here, but incredibly beneficial in understanding who you are, what you're here to do, what your dispositions are, things of that nature, understanding your numbers. Point is, you know, 11s a lot of times are prone to depression. And where this comes from is part of that wiring is often because the gift is the ability to see things as they could be. So people with this number are often very inclined to see the best in people, circumstance, situations. They have the ability to see potential. They can be incredibly inspiring in that respect to other people because of the striving toward goals that way. But of course, you know, not uncommonly when you see the best in people and then they, uh, they don't necessarily live up to those standards or a circumstance itself didn't, not uncommon to become depressed. Uh, very common, again, for 11s, you see this with other master numbers and other numbers within some nines as well, too, that you see in, in numerology charts. Um, that ideal was not met. But here's the other thing. People with these numbers often are very creative. So the thing that's interesting, if you stand back and you look at this, if you're a creative person at some level, in other words, if you're a writer, poet, an artist, a performer, um, or even have some element of that in one capacity or another, part of being a good creative person is being able to draw from different emotional realms, happiness, joy, as well as sadness, being able to pull from that. A good actor, a good writer, a good performer, of course, is going to need to have access to memories and events in a very real way in order to portray that. So, that is very key. So you, again, in the larger picture, um, we need these different experiences in that sense. In the smaller picture, it can be very hard to deal with those things when one is going through them. But I've certainly noticed this. I'm a person born on the 29th, again, 11 numerology, where for me, um, I have, you know, I've been through some, you know, I, I, I live a good life. I'm, I'm very lucky in a lot of ways. But I can, I've had a couple of stories anyone who's ever read my books or things will see some of these, of some pretty horrifying things that I've walked through a couple of times in life. And again, not a lot, but um, a few times. And they weren't just kind of minorly bad. They were pretty bad. Um, but, you know, that's one of the things that's beautiful about being a writer. Because to me, you know, at this point in my development, even if I have a difficult experience, which is becoming less common the older I get and the more enlightened and wiser I get, by the way, um, I realize that I, I can use this in some levels to help other people because of having that shared empathy, being able to um, address that from that angle. Um, that's very, very key. Um, uh, you know, again, that's a big part of where empathy comes from. You've gone through something, you can recognize someone else going through something similar at some level and be empathetic. 
So there's multiple reasons for these things, by the way. Again, in the larger picture, it's easier to see. In the shorter picture, the smaller picture, it's tough when you're necessary going through it. That's why, you know, it's an old colloquial expression, sort of, this too shall pass. No often suggests it to people when they're going through difficulty. Now, again, I've joked about this on other shows. The joke I always say is my very Sagittarian version of all exes get hit with the ugly stick being an example. You go through a breakup, it's painful, you can't believe it, you, you know, you mourn the loss, you feel rejected, you, you know, what did I do wrong? All those things come through our psyche. But for, again, for most people, within a few months or a year or so, depending on how quickly people move through these things, um, you you should kind of see your ex got hit by the ugly stick. In other words, you can realize no matter what the circumstances are, you that doesn't fit for you anymore. That doesn't work. You know, one of the things that's always fascinating to me is I often will have clients who will come into my office and they're going through a breakup or some type of difficulty, not uncommon. And the, the common question that I often hear from people is they want to know from me, did he ever love me in the first place? And this also can be she ever loved me. Believe me, it, there's no sexism in relation to this issue or question. I just tend to work more with women for, for obvious reasons in that sense uh, because women are more inclined to seek self-help. Um, oh, I get that question. Did he ever love me in the first place? Irrelevant question. And, and a complete misfiring of focus because, yes, um, or yes, more, more than likely, absolutely. But love changes. Sometimes people may love someone and then you grow out of each other, you go down different roads, you go down different paths. It's always sort of interesting to me, this human urge to erase whatever occurred before because you're suffering now. You may have had wonderful, amazing times. I had a three-year uh, relationship with someone, and there were some ups and downs along the way. But for the first two years of our, our relationship, Honestly, like most of it was happy. I mean, there were a couple of incidents, but uh, but we were happy. You know what I mean? It was a good relationship. It was one of the best relationships I had ever had up until that point. Uh, I was about 34. Um, and then after about a little over two years, um, when we the process of the decay period began to happen, the relationship began to unravel, um, it was pretty crappy, you know? And I stayed in it longer than I should have. I should have got out even sooner. But I stayed in it being perseverant. And, uh, but it didn't. It never invalidated the fact that we kind of fell out of love. The fact that it, it we began to go, you know, in a in a different place in our lives didn't invalidate that we loved each other. We did, but we just didn't really like each other that much anymore. So this is the thing. I think we sometimes, um, when we're depressed and we're upset by a difficulty, we you know we 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 we, we get caught focusing on the wrong thing. And, and I'm just as guilty of that as anybody else is. Believe me, I've done the same thing many times. You know what I mean? But it, it does, it's a futile waste of energy to keep rehashing the past that way. What was good before may not be good now. Things change. So I also mentioned that, um, I talked a little bit about the numerology, but again, you can see a lot of these patterns also in astrology. Um, water signs, uh, people with strong water influences to their chart, Pisces, Cancer, Scorpio. Um, yeah, there can be a, uh, a more of a tendency at times to get caught in depression or sadness. Um, it's in nature and the wiring of water. Water can flow creatively and nurture. 
um, but water can get, become clogged um, and stuck and and uh, and it, it, immovable at different points. Um, earth signs can sometimes have a tendency towards this as well too, when they especially when the security and stability they're seeking feels unreachable. Um, fire signs definitely can get depressed too, but I think the fire signs typically get more pissed off as a response and necessarily depressed. <laughs> but uh, and I think probably air signs are the least depressed to me um, of all the signs because they get bored with depression fairly easily. So, although, again, I'm, this is, these are not definitive facts. Uh, you know, you can be an air sign and then have a ton of water in the rest of your chart. You know, Mercury, Venus, Mars, different other planets and water, of course, that's going to influence the situation quite differently. Uh, in that respect, the uh, sun sign astrology isn't necessarily a simplistic answer to everything. Um, okay, so uh, let's get back to the I see I've got a couple of callers here. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the show. If you're listening to the show live or um, uh, later on in archive, uh, I appreciate having you here. Um, I, this is uh, When I do the live column read, I don't take calls uh, for the live column reads. I won't be taking calls today. Um, we've only got about 15 minutes left in the show anyway. Um, whenever you see me do the astrology uh, listeners' choice shows, I do those every month or two on a Thursday. Those are call-in shows where people call in and ask for a quick mini reading or thing of that uh, thing of that type of uh, uh, commonality. Uh, I don't um, do that in these shows because that's that's not the purpose of this type of a show. But uh, you can you can catch the uh, those other types of shows and uh, be able to ask questions. Okay, I see everyone. I've jumped out of the out of the, uh, uh, the, the phone docket already. Uh, my apologies. I, yeah, it, it, that's just not what the show is, is meant to be. Uh, so yeah, look for the astrology shows, update shows, and I always do live calls uh, during the astrology update shows, uh, but not on the live column read shows. Okay. So getting back to this, and I, you know, I want to give people some practical suggestions. Uh, for a way out of this as well, too. Um, you know, that's the thing also that w- that can be a trigger or a cause for depression. Sometimes we can just see something that seems insurmountable, unresolvable in that sense. I have a client, um, and I've had many that have gone through similar experiences, who, you know, at, at this point, and I never name names or give people that type of information. I just use points of story um, this way to help kind of give other people insight. But I have a client, she's probably in her, she's about in her late 50s, almost 60. And I guess I have many clients in this particular arena who've been married for a long time and they're married to someone who's pretty much completely miserable, someone who's difficult, someone who's unhappy. I even got a couple of people that are married to people that are just out and out mean when you break it down. Um, you know, and they often will ask me in, in sessions, you know, things like, um, when am I going to get out of this? When am I going to leave this? When, or, you know, this is going to sound really harsh, but it's not surprising anyone who's in it, you know, because often these miserable people have health issues. When is he going to die or pass? Again, that sounds really, really horrible that someone would even ask such a thing. But hey, listen, be empathetic. If someone's been in a miserable 25-year marriage, in that sense, one, they're likely to be depressed. Two, uh, they're looking for a way out. But what's so interesting to me is there is a way out, but often there's so much fear around taking the road out. Uh, a lot of times there's financial uh, elements that keep people in play uh, in that respect, that being able to quote-unquote survive on their own. 
um, very, very commonly religious influence and beliefs about what is quote-unquote moral. Um, uh, but more often than not, the major cause behind those depressions and those types of struggles are the person is afraid of making a change. They don't know how to do it. So it's always sort of interesting to me to have someone asking me when that's going to happen, when ultimately that, real, that decision is really yours. When are you going to be willing to realize you do not have to live an unhappy, miserable life, uh, no matter what the repercussions are uh, in, in that respect? Um, I've had many clients also who have broken away and have become quite happy and fulfilled in a lot of ways when they finally left it. It's just having the courage to leave it. You know, and, and, and listen, I'm not saying anytime anyone is unhappy in a marriage or relationship, you have to leave it. Sometimes, sometimes things can be worked on. I don't, I'm not an advocate of throwing something away either. But I'm talking about extreme situations where, listen, if someone's been a miserable, unhappy, terrible person for 25 years, there's no change coming, guys. This is the way that it is. This is how it all turns out. You keep waiting for that. Magic day when they get enlightenment, uh, probably not. So, you know, to me, again, so when we look at a depression for that reason, you know, again, understandable, but the issue is more of a fear of taking action and making some type of a change. Um, I've used this as a great analogy uh, in, in past shows. You know, during the economic uh, uh, difficult time in, in 2008, 9, um, even 10 and 11, were really somewhat rough years, certainly here in Phoenix. I've mentioned this before and have written about this. Um, these were really rough years. It was, they, they were, uh, you know, it was considered a recession, but it wasn't a recession. In many places in the country, Phoenix included, it was an actual depression. Um, it was some tough times. I had to, um, I had a thriving business. I was doing well, you know, and then all of a sudden, late 2008, boom, this is almost cut in half. It just simply people couldn't afford me. You know, when the choice is to pay your electric bill or see Jim Ventura, and it, which you may enjoy a lot you, and, and very helpful to you, you have to make practical decisions. It was never an issue about that. But a lot of people with their own businesses went through this. A lot of people lost jobs. A lot of people committed suicide. Really tough stuff. So for me, when I, when I had to figure out what to do to survive financially, I meditated on it. And using my oracles, using my ability to tap in, to guidance from my higher self, my spirit guides, God, whatever your terminology is for all of those things. Um, the answer was you need to to get a part-time job and wait tables and bartend again for two years. But I remember when I got that message, as loud as it could be, it came through dreams, it came through a meditation, I just could hear it very clearly and knew what I had to do. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. That just depressed me all the more. The time I was 45, 44 years old, I'm going to go back to flinging coffee again and opening wine bottles and I can't believe this. This is such a failure on my part. And it's going to depress the shit out of me in that sense. I was depressed already from struggling, but I was also depressed at what the answer was. But, you know, the weird part is I didn't have a choice. I had, I had to do what I had to do. And thankfully, being a fire sign, I am more inclined to take action uh, when necessary, um, sometimes too much so. Uh, but uh, I did that very thing. I got a part-time restaurant job. And you know what? I did fine during most of that depression. I was making better money between that job and the, the work that I was doing. I was able to make ends meet and, and live pretty comfortably during one of the worst periods of time. And, in fact, I really enjoyed that job for, like, the last six months of it. After two years, he went bankrupt, and it ended. And that was very sad, and that was 2011. It was a little tight. 
And then by 2012, business had really picked up again. I, you know, robbed Peter to pay Paul a little to maneuver. And by 2013, psh, fine, boom. I don't know if I've ever been more successful in that sense. So again, one, this too shall pass. Two, the thing that we have to do may scare us or depress us all the more, but then usually once we do it, even if it is difficult and we get through it, we realize, wow, it wasn't the thing that I had to do. It was the fear of doing it that was what was keeping us locked in that way. So, you know, in answer to what I'm talking about here in this piece going back to this idea of antidepressants, what tends to happen when we take antidepressants is it does relieve some of the depression. There's no question that in some respects these things work. The problem that you have, though, is it's sort of like kind of flatlining. You're not as sad, but you also don't have the potential to be as happy. So you're, you're, you're throwing some of that away in that respect. The other thing, of course, is dependency. Uh, because you need this now, and now often a lifelong commitment to needing that to feel okay. And then, of course, the host of um, side effects from almost all pharmaceuticals, tons of them. You know what I mean? It's scary, some of the side effects, uh, anal leakage and hair falling out and all kinds of things that you see with these things. It's just staggering. I, I, like I had written in the piece, I can't even, I can't even take like a – my sinuses are way better than they've ever been, and, and that – has happened through um, acupuncture, Chinese herbology, and even eating local honey, by the way, has strengthened my immune system that I had very little problem with allergies. And when I was younger, oh, my God, it was brutal, the allergy stuff that I went through. I mean, I was sick often. But now it's pretty rare, and even when it is, it's much milder. But I knew that even when I was younger, like if I took a Benadryl or something like that, like it would dry me out. But, my God, it would be like being a zombie for a couple of days. I was not right psychologically, emotionally. I felt like I was stoned, but not even in a good way. You know, um, it was just one of these things that was, like, uncomfortable, and there were a dry mouth. There were other things that would come out of it. And I always think the same thing. Like, I almost would rather have the snot. You know what I mean? I know it sounds gross, but it's just to me that the, 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 the cure was not, it was just as, you know what I mean? It was just different. It's just a trade-off of different symptoms that I would now have. Plus, I always just felt uncomfortable in my body. It's the same thing. I see people trying to, like, see a lot of posts on Facebook and things like that about weaning off of diet soda because of the effects of aspartame and things of nature on the body, which are horrible. Listen, I recognized that when I was a child. I didn't need a scientist to tell me that those things were horrible on the body. Um, one, when I was a kid, and I, I remember mom, my mom would make crystal light, um, and she, because my mom was always trying to lose weight, typical mother in the 70s and 80s and even before that, 60s when I was just really young. Um, you know, trying to lose weight, crystal light, you know, it looked good. It was red colored and all the things that made a child happy. But, um, oh my God, did it taste disgusting to me. Like I've always thought the taste of it alone is disgusting. And there's something about it to me that just feels unnatural. Um, I've always thought to myself, if you're going to have sugar, just have a little bit of sugar. At least your body knows what to do with that. It may not be good for you, but at least it understands it in that sense. So, you know, people trying to wean off these things, again, it becomes sort of like an addiction in that respect. And, you know, that's what, you know, I've said this on previous shows, you know, when we, we're craving sugar, when we're craving sweets, you know, anything that we crave has some type of medicinal purpose behind it. 
And when I say medicinal, I don't mean that it cures it. It just temporarily masks it in that sense. So, for instance, when we crave sugar, we're really craving it. Often what's behind that is a feeling of being unlovable. We're not feeling loved enough. That's what sugar tends to make us feel. So, again, a fake sugar can do that as well, too. But in the long run, it's going to have further damage on the body. So I've mentioned this in past shows. You know, alcohol, mass fear, uh, marijuana, mass sadness, um, caffeine, mass everything, uh, tobacco, mass powerlessness and anger. They act as mass. To me, again, that's what much of the pharmaceutical stuff is. They're mass. They don't necessarily cure something as much as they put it to the side. Now, again, something I've said many times before, and I love to repeat, listen, all things in moderation. If you want to smoke once in a while, smoke. I mean, if you want to have a piece of cheesecake once in a while, have a piece of cheesecake. If you want a good cup of coffee from time to time, have a good cup of coffee. Have a cognac, you know what I mean? Have a drink. There's nothing wrong with the physicality of things to me in that sense. It's just that, again, as human beings, we often use these types of things to subjugate feelings emotionally. Um, and, and that's, you know, you, you know, anyone who's an alcoholic, you can see this happen. They may... Alcohol, again, mass fear. So people that drink a lot typically are very fearful people. Um, that's why they drink. That's temporary liquid courage. Now I'll tell you what I really think of you. Uh, you know, it, 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 again, nothing wrong with having a beer or two once in a while, having a drink, you could feel good. But if you're chronic to it, that means you're fearful. So, again, alcohol may temporarily relieve that and make you finally say and do what you really want to do anyway. But um, it tends to cause more problems than it's worth. And again, it's not a solution. You know, if you want to conquer fear, there are other ways to work on and conquer fear. You know, uh, you know a lot of times, I think people, I, I, maybe I have to express this a little better, but um, in the work that I do, and I love the work that I do, I love working with people, I love giving people insight. I love all of those things. It's amazing to be able to get to do what I do. You know, I, I can read cards, I can see potential patterns in the future, there's things that I can do. I can help people understand themselves and the road they're on. But my main gift is my ability to counsel and give people insight so they can become more inspired to be who they're really meant to be in that respect. Um, that's what I do. I help people get fear out of the way. I help people really find out what their purpose is. I help people to navigate through life much more in an empowered and effective type of a way. And that's the gift that I have, and I love to do that. But again, what, I've got clients that have gotten upset with me about it, but when I suggest they need to wean off the antidepressants, they're usually a little bit upset or pissed off with me at some level because, again, it's like it's like pulling the bottle out of your mouth in that sense. And, you know, I know don't, people don't have to do it instantaneously. It may take a while. But um, uh, and not, I'm not necessarily saying it's easy. But in the long run, you'll be happier and more fulfilled when you do because you will experience your true emotional state, which does include ups and downs along the way. Um, like I said in the piece, I get depressed every once in a while. It doesn't happen often, but it happens from time to time. But my depressions, are, they end very quickly. Um, it's just sort of a bum day that ends after a few Again, just brewing a pot of coffee. I mostly drink decaf, by the way. <laughs> Caffeine always messes me up too much. It seems to make me happy, you know. Uh, there's just too much good in life, so I usually snap out of it. Snap out of it. Okay, it looks like we're coming to the end of the show. Um, so I want, I'm going to sign off. I will be back next week. I'm going to be doing uh, the uh, continuing the Michael Teaching Show. If you haven't caught 
the early series, all of my shows are archived. You may want to really catch, not even may, you want to catch them on give you a lot of insight into your life. And we'll be talking in this show coming up next week about Essence Contact. Um, in July, I'll do an astrology update show. Um, call in then if you're interested in, in trying to get a mini reading in. Uh, Best Bet Guides, honestly, is even though shows I only usually get to two or three people, um, is to book a session. Um, you're going to do much better with that anyway. Uh, I can do the sessions by phone. I have a new client special. All that info is on the website. Um, you're just better off doing that. But if you want to, you know, if your funds are limited and you want to try to get a mini one in, astrology update shows, that's the shows to hit with that. So, again, I will be back next week for the Mitral Teaching Show. But I want to catch, on stuff on the previous, catch up on the previous shows before you dive in. Okay, it's been a great show. It's been great talking about this subject. Hope you guys got some good insights accordingly. And, uh, again, I'll be here again uh, next week. And uh, any information about my services work, jimventura.com. Have a great day. Cheers. Happy summer. <laughs>